Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the Osh Tonight's Internet Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Master Thompson, and um, we want to get to a topic that we didn't get a chance to last week because <clears throat> we I got a little sidetracked with the uh, the Westboro Baptist uh, minister's death and all that stuff, but we did have a fun discussion about that, and I do want to talk about transcendence or uh, the singularity. We'll get to that. But I also I just wanted to throw something in here because I, I was reading an article the other day and I thought it was something that we should talk about being all of us are of the roots of Jedi realist, Jediism, Jedi way, whatever Jedi permeation of uh, philosophy that um, you started your trek on, your philosophical trek on. I thought it was interesting that we should talk about this and that is I wonder if George Lucas is executing an Order 66 on Disney film. And the reason why I say that is we all know that George Lucas sold Lucasfilm for roughly $4 billion in stock. Options in Disney, okay? And it's been stated by him through the press that he was somewhat, for the most part, retiring from Star Wars and movie making. He's going to start, a, you know, uh, work on his family, uh, work, work on some different projects and sort of spend some time with his family. He recently just got married. Um, and and just kind of sort of moving forward from Star Wars. He was going to leave it to the next generation of movie makers, movie makers and, and writers and, and developers. And um, anybody that is that knows the Lucas camp knows that, you know, the probability of him staying out of it was, was probably wishful thinking because George Lucas is known as being a complete anal freak and has to have his fingers and um, his insights into every aspect of Star Wars, which is understandable. He created it. It's his. He gets to do that. And before I get on this, to get on my, 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 my tangent here, I want to thank GL for giving us Star Wars. I really do. Thank you. However, it's time to move on. It's time to let someone else play with this, because... As time goes on, your moment in history, and this goes for anything, and Ashlanites will be the same. There will be a time where I'll have to step aside if Ashlanites endures, and someone else will have to take the reins and take it to where, take it in the, into, the next, into the next generation. Um, I would hope that the foundation that I've laid will serve as, as a benchmark that you know, the new leadership can look back and say, well, this is what he intended, this is where his thinking was when he wanted this to be like so, and I hope that that is the case. And the reason why that interpretation of law in this country, what did the founding fathers intend and what did they mean? And law is based on technicalities that um, come about from... Um, from those interpretations, and I, I just try to minimize the interpretation of what Ashtonite stands for in the future by being very specific about some key things. And I think George Lucas, I was hoping that that was George Lucas's intent as well. You know, he established, you know, six movies, uh, you know, 200 plus novels, novels, okay, not to mention, you know, other media such as uh, comic books and graphic art, graphic uh, novels and video game expanded universe that brings substance to the main plot and the main characters. But there's your benchmark. There's your, your foundation. There's, you've provided so much 
for people to work with that they can go forward, tell stories, and have enough to look back and say, okay, this is, uh, this is what it was, this is how it was written, let's take, uh, let's, let's, let's take some influence here. Let's but that's not the case. It seems George Lucas is, again, pulling a cra crazy Ivan, and he is taking, I think he's taking control of the new, three, the, new, the new movies. And the article I read basically said, stated the following, and I'm trying to find that article. I've been f trying to look for it all morning long. Someone's going to email me the link to the article that I had read so I can forward it on to you guys. But basically what it was was George Lucas, and this is a press release from him, the first press release since he has sold Lucasfilm and become a part of Disney. He is not happy with, with where the script is at. He is going to directly assist J.J. Abrams and he is going to, he is going to uh, provide his knowledge uh, to J.J. Uh, and help him feel more comfortable with the Star Wars reigns and so on and so forth to help with the transition. But he is tweaking the script as we speak. Also, he is bringing back Hayden Christensen in uh, a significant supporting role. So, uh, Wait, what? Yes, Hayden Christensen thought, is coming. <laughs> I thought this was set after... after. Yeah, Way so, after. Right. So let me let me let me get into this a little bit. From the news oh, that we all But to remember folks, let's remember, this is America. Americans can do anything. Apparently even raising dead Jedi from the grave. Well, wow. <laughs> Hi Sammy, how are you today? Hey Derek, I'm fine, but you know what? Speaking of Star Wars, I've actually been talking to a Star Trek actor yeah. today who thought I was stalking him, but we'll talk about that privately. It's just so funny. I'm going to have to bring you up to date with that. All right. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. All right. So if you've been following the news, we know that when George sold this thing, he hired, he handpicked J.J. Abrams to direct it, which I think personally was an awesome idea. J.J., I've, I've, I've liked J.J.'s work since, like, uh, Alias, uh, Lost, um, his movies have been really, really, really cool to watch. He did a fantastic. If, if any of you uh, are Star Trek fans, I mean, I don't know how you what you think, but I think he did a great job reinvigorating that fran franchise. You know, uh, I, think, I, I, think, I, I, I was really did. concerned that Simon Pegg playing Scotty was going to absolutely bollocks the whole thing up. But you know what? I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised. The Pegster did it superbly. Yep. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll say this: the first, the first uh, Star Trek movie he did was good. I wouldn't say it was great. Okay, Wrath of Khan was great, but this was good. Don't get me wrong; it, it, it yeah. was up there among the greats. The second one, I don't know. All I remember of that movie is that they were always falling in one direction or another, or flying in one direction or another. I, I, I I'll just say that I was a little disappointed with his re-envisioning of the Wrath of Khan. I liked some of the notes that they hit on. But JJ yeah. needs to work on his uh, directing skills in the, in the sense of toning down the action a little no, bit. Well, okay. with you there. You've got to remember that JJ is probably about my age, whereas he's in his mid forties, and you, my mm -hmm. dear friend, are but a wee young laddie. So you probably don't get the humour that JJ is portraying on screen. You've got to remember that 
the Star Trek factor is people who were born in the 60s and then brought up with it. So I get everything he did in the first and in the second one, Into Darkness. As far as I was concerned, JJ is an absolute gem when it comes what to a, reinventing What a condescending thing to say. What a condescending thing to say indeed, that people who are younger than that, who didn't who didn't get to see Star Trek as it was released, can not appreciate it quite as much as others. I understand. Okay, guys, guys, hold on, hold on, hold on. I me. Hold on. Being condescending, Charles knows I would never condescend him. He knows that it is just light-hearted humor when I say people of your age. I got I got the humor, trust me, and, and Sammy knows that she can pick on me for this because I've watched over 3,000 hours of Star Trek yes. in simultaneous back-to-back -back marathons in a four-month period at one point. Yeah. So, right. but yeah. Okay, right. we're good, don't worry. Anton, is that you? <laughs> yes, that's me, hello. Where have you been, young man? I, I've been around. All right. Um, you guys haven't been around, like, since... December and up until mid January or is it or even later than that? I don't know where you have been, but um I've been here. It's good to it's good to hear your voice again. Okay, so I'm gonna give you guys the floor, but let me just get this out, okay, because Charles asked Charles uh took issue with something and I want to give some background on this. So we know George Lucas handpicked JJ Abrams and I thought it was a great decision, okay? And they also handpicked Michael Arndt, who had in my opinion had very little billings as you know, a blockbuster writer. I think he did one of the Hunger Game books. They started right w working on the script. J.J. had had made statements that they were going to go in a completely different direction. Um, well, I shouldn't say completely different. It was. It sounded as if they were going to go in a in a different direction, parallel to some of the stories that 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 illustrate the history of what happened after Return of the Jedi. Now, anybody who has read the expanded universe knows what happens after Return of the Jedi. Um, we won't get into that, but there is an intergalactic war that breaks out from an extragalactic species that invades the galaxy far, far away. A lot of carnage, a lot of destruction, a lot of death. Chewbacca dies in that, that, that series. Um, so we all know what takes place. We all know about Darth Sadus. We all know about Mary Jade Skywalker. We know, we know about Ben Skywalker, the new emperor, the whole, all this bullshit. We all know about that stuff. It was my inter my understanding that they were going to go parallel to that. They were going to tell the story of the next generation of the Jedi. It's going to take thirty take place thirty years after uh, of Return of the Jedi. The new Jedi Order is in full swing. The children of Mara Jade Skywalker and Luke Skywalker, which is only one child, is Ben Skywalker and Han Solo and Leia. They're three children, and as you know, uh, you know a lot of fucking tragedy happens with this family, the Solos, and so on and so forth. Um, and they were going to go in that direction, but they were going to tell some stories that were different from the books. The books, in my opinion, uh, you know, you've got about 50 different writers writing the same character in different circumstances. It sort of sucks after a while. Some of these, some of the ways, some of, some of the ways that these, some of these writers portray these characters and write their stories you can get a really good book, and then you can get a really shitty book. Um, so I think they wanted to just kind of go in a different direction. Now we're learning. Well, I, I missed a step. They fired Michael Arndt. They didn't like how he was writing. J.J. and someone else, I can't remember who that was, took over and banged out the script. 
Disney was happy with the script. J.J. was happy with the script. J.J. announced that he wasn't going to rely so much on CGI. He was going to bring it back to the days of Empire Strikes Back. And he was going to bring a lot of prop. J.J. said, I'm a prop guy. I like seeing props. I like seeing people act um, around props to get around, inter uh, interact, and so on and so forth. So that was exciting. We were going to see some new a new uh, new sets, new new things that people can touch, new things that people can get into, climb on, climb over, whatever. And then all of a sudden, some weird stuff started coming out. Now, you've got to understand how the press works. And the press, see, the press gets the story maybe probably halfway and maybe more so until events are actually fluid in what's happening in, 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 in Disney. So, I think this situation is worse than what the press made it out because the press did a very interesting thing with word usage. Okay, I'm going to get to that in one second. So basically what's happening is we were told that Obi-Wan Kenobi, that is Ewan McGregor and Yoda, would be reprising some of their roles, or reprising their roles through some of the series uh, here and there as, guide, as, as mentors and guides here and there. It seems that that is... Not the case now. They have 86 Ewan McGregor, and they brought back Hewan, uh, uh, Hayden Christensen, rather. And this comes on the report that George Lucas is not happy with the script. He is now tweaking it, and he, it, it's been decided that Hayden Christensen will reprise his role as as Anakin, as Anakin Skywalker pre Darth Vader, and will be a teacher in the Jedi Temple who will be a ghost teacher instructing Padawans on the art of discipline and meditation, all right? Which I think is ironic to begin with, <laughs> all right? But here's the thing. I, I feel a Harry Potter-esque around that part of, if this is true, I feel like, because I, I, I mean, I, I watched all the movies and I, I do, you know, I remember Harry Potter, some of the scenes where there was some ghosts and some spectral you know, uh, 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 things happening in some of the um, the classrooms, and there were some teachers and some, you know, whatever. So I kind of feel like there's a little bit of that in this. And I and and um, they he also said that uh, he will be assisting J.J. Abrams on the set, helping J.J. get comfortable with the Star Wars, like as if J.J. Abrams has never had a black uh, blockbuster before. So I, I just feel like George Lucas is about to fuck this up. And I know the prequels took a beating, took a took a bad beating. You know, the first prequel, the first movie, Phantom Menace, really was a kids' movie, but it does try to set the the, the tone for the for the other two movies. I didn't a like a kids' movie. It, I I found it was a kid. It was more of a kids' movie. You All know, right. it, it just right. and it just had a lot of it just had a lot of kids stuff in it. Yeah, and, like you know, intergalactic policies. Intergalactic what? Politics. Yeah, well, you know, that's the only thing about Phantom Menace that I did like, was there was some meaty politics in it, but they failed to bring people into the evolution of that. They start into the middle of the politics, which is this trade dispute, which actually has a story that has some some meat on the bone, but you have to read the books to understand it. And that's what I didn't like. But let me just finish this real quick. Sure. Episode, episode two... You know, I didn't mind Hayden Christensen. I really didn't. He's a kid. He was a kid hired to do a job. And if you look at some of the, the, the features on, on the movies, George Lucas was, was holding this kid back. 
it was clear. Like he was telling, you know, he, I don't want this. I need you to do this. Because George had a vision of what this kid, George wanted a whiny little brat who didn't have any respect, had very little discipline, who was reckless, and had a lot of mommy issues. And that's how, that's sort of the two-dimensional perspective George Lucas had on the character, and he wanted Hayden to portray that. Episode three, I really do believe Hayden tried his best to bring it home, but once again, if you look at those featurettes, you can see George Lucas holding them back. So we don't really know what, what Hayden could have done with that character, but when we watch Hayden Christensen and some of his other movies after that, you sort of get this, 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 um, this interpretation that, you know, the kid sucks and, you know, it, it wasn't really all George. Here's the thing. When someone, when you have some, when, when it's your first big movie and a director is directing you and they're telling you how this is done, it's hard to t not take those, those insights and directions and make them your own and then move on forward. And, you know, this is all about growing and, 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 and learning. And I don't think Hayden was able to drop a lot of the George Lucas direction when he got into his movies. However, there were a couple of movies that he did do that I thought were great. He had a bit part in the um, Edie Sedgwick movie with, um, I can't remember the name of it, but he played Bob Dylan. He played a Bob Dylan-like character, and I thought he was pretty good there. And he did a movie called Awake, which wasn't too bad. But getting back to the, 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 the topic, um, I didn't really think Hayden was that bad, but, how, but he, he's been crucified, crucified in the press. Okay, and they're bringing him back, and I don't think that's a, that's a wise decision. I know you guys are going to disagree with, or for the most part, disagree with that. But I don't think George. I think George Lucas has a thing for Hayden Christensen in the sense that he might be like his muse, his Star Wars muse. You know, Scorsese had uh, 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 what's the dude? Uh, De Niro. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and I think that this is his De Niro when it comes to Star Wars, and I think that that's a bad thing. Um, but but I want to quickly just, and I'll give you guys the floor, but what really disturbed me was the usage of wording. You know, Disney says, Disney comes out and he says, to, you know, George Lucas is tweaking. George Lucas is not tweaking anything. He's rearranging. Also, there's a report that J.T. Abrams wasn't really comfortable with going back to London for everything. Um, and George disagreed with that. He thought everything should go back to London. So there's a problem there, and I'm hoping that J.G. Abrams isn't out completely down the road because it sounds like from the wordage of the of the of the article they're trying to minimize the full scope of what might be going on down there in Disney which is which is a catastrophe. George Lucas is just not stepping stepping to the side, he's stepping in front of everything and I think that's going to be a major problem. I would have been happy with anybody directing this these movies. I would have been happy with the guy who, who directed the, the, the three featurettes for uh, the video game there, uh, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, anybody other than George Lucas, because George, I believe, while he had his moment in his time, I believe he's out of touch now. And I don't think, and we saw the, the, the dialogue in episode three was horrendous, all right? Just the, the, the character arcs of, you know, acceptance of what's going on and this and what people should be, how people should be responding and replying and interact. I mean, it was just, it was just stupid. It was just really stupid. We won't get too much into that. So I do believe we're going to have a problem if, if J.J. walks and George takes over. I think the movies are going to generate, I think that, the, the, you know, in the forums and in the blogs, 
I think it's going to generate such uh, um, you know a a backlash that it's going to overshadow what the movies could be or what they might be. And now that we're seeing, we're get, we're, we got another, we have a Yoda-like character coming, by the way. A Yoda-like character, Yoda species, is going to be a main character in the movie, except he will have a pituitary gland issue where he'll be taller. So he'll be like a human being, but he'll be a Yoda. So, you know, these type of things, you know, I mean, it's, it's weird when you see them like sort of on paper in reports. It's going to be very difficult. It's very difficult to sort of translate them and how they're going to look at the movie and see how this will all fit together. But from what I'm reading, I think there's some some major issues here. And um, I'm going to Anton. We haven't had you around in a while. I'm going to give it to you. What do you think based on based on what I'm telling you? I know that you don't have anything in front of you, but based on what I'm telling you, what do you think? Do you think that uh, George Lucas stepping in front of the camera again, writing and directing? Do you think it's going to be good for Episode Seven, Eight, Nine, or do you think that Disney should should not let that happen and make sure they stay the course in getting fresh direction and writing into this. Um, well, I mean, we had three rather good movies from um, from Mr. Lucas, and we had good movies before and after that, too, from him. But with his latest track record on Star Wars, I don't think he should have his hands on anything related to that franchise. It's just way too valuable. Um yeah. On the other hand, I don't think that the press has anything like enough information on that whole issue. The, the press is generally an enterprise of sensationalism, usually. You don't read about these things in times, you read about them on internet blogs. You don't. So we, have, we are in no position to even say what is going on, or what the movie will be like, up until let's say, one month, maybe two months prior to release. That's the point at which we can say anything with certainty. Um, now, of course, I would also argue that, you know, how many months have passed since I was last time here? <laughs> Don't we have, like, bigger issues to discuss than Star Wars movies? Um, but that, I suppose, is a side issue. Well, we're discussing Star Wars movies because it's fun, <laughs> and and, and yeah, uh, you know I, I plan on I plan on once again contributing to the George Lucas's personal piggy bank um, mm. when these things come out in some way, shape, or form, and um, kind of pissed that I, I listen, folks. I'm gonna go see the movies regardless, you know, and, and I'm just uh, getting my my jump on the bitching. So oh, that's why we're yeah. doing it. Um, yeah, you know, so if, if indeed. There are organizations um, out there that help with addiction, Master Thompson. We could point you to Alcoholics <laughs> Anonymous. They they don't just help with alcohol. They really don't. They they can help you. Thank you very much, Charles. Sandy, yeah, let's pick up see, with you real quick. What what do you think? Should 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 you know? Are you worried that uh, George is going to make a mess of this if he winds up directing or writing? Sammy already left. We have another caller on the line who has yet to introduce himself. Hello, caller. I Hello, love being the car caller on KOA. Can you guys hear me? Uh -huh. Who's this? Hannigan, of course. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Doing great. I heard the topic, and I heard you say reckless and impulsive and lack of respect. I thought you were talking about me for a minute there. But no, no, I was talking about Anakin. No, no, we, we, sometimes we talk about other people than you. 
Sometimes. <laughs> it's a joke. All right, in any event, I'm really thinking about it. You know, think about these movies. Honestly, I think Lucas did execute Order 66 before these movies even came out because he's totally jacking with the timeline that many of us have come to love and appreciate. And the movies are going to be nothing but money makers, and I don't think they're going to be accepted as canon, to be honest with you. I don't see it happening. Yeah. But that's just my point of view. And that and a dollar six would be a cup of coffee from McDonald's. Well, actually, Mike, I, I would agree with you. And, and Mike and, and Mike Hannigan's absolutely right. The other part of this is they are they're 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 just going around the timeline and they're not I mean, that was the first word. They're just not even listen, I, I gotta tell you, the timeline itself is not a bad timeline. It's the stories that the way they tell the stories can be good and can be shitty. So I don't. I, I sort of understand where they're coming from with them saying, "Look, we're going to avoid this 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 trap of 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 convoluted storytelling from all these different authors. We're going to just kind of take some of the essence, again, foundation, and sort of move in a parallel direct direction, but not directly associated. And that's fine. But uh, Charles, what do you think? Do you think GL is going to be uh, is going to be good for for the franchise if he writes and directs or no? Wow. I think he was bad. I, I'm going with Hannigan on this. He was bad for the franchise before we even got here. Um, yeah. And it's just getting worse. Here, Here's the thing. When I watched Phantom Menace, and Phantom Menace is always going to be the one that gets the worst rap because of, of the prequels, it's just, yeah, it, it, it's god awful. When I first seen it, I said, well, I can pick out a couple things that are very Jedi-related from this, and it's definitely focusing on the concept of Jedi, but for the most part, the movie sucks, and the little tidbits that we're getting, we've already gotten from, you know, what, 150 books and three other movies, as well as, as, well as just everything else that's tucked on it, and I'm including video games into the lore at that point also. So, I was very unimpressed with Phantom Menace, uh, the Clone Wars un was equally unimpressive, but maybe, uh, I would say, almost a little better. In the, it at least explored some of the philosophy, right. and it explored some of the failings in the old Jedi Order and how it was leading to the collapse of it. And then Revenge of the Sith was more like Revenge of the Wallet. I mean, it was, I mean, it, its entire purpose was to make George a buck, and that became painfully clear because it was rushed. It was... We, we had... We've been waiting for the fall of Anakin and Darth Vader. We barely seen it in the second movie. We didn't see it in the first. Anyone who says that, that was foreshadowing or hinting doesn't really understand the concept. It was blatant... It was blatant finger-pointing, not even foreshadowing. Foreshadowing should be subtle, but visible and understandable. This was finger-pointing. This was... The things that were thrown in there was almost what happens in daytime TV drama... When a writer is like, aha, I'm pointing to the fact that this is going to be, you know, this, this tragedy in the future. Ha ha! And that's, you know, by the time we hit, by the time we hit Revenge of the Sith, it was, it was more like Revenge of My Colon at that point. I, it, it, I, I was done. And then we got hit with a cartoon series that I, I, I really did try to make my way through the cartoon movie recently. I couldn't. It was just that bad. It wasn't yeah, even yeah. that bad. It was just that that dull and 
This is from someone who thought that slow pacing the first three original movies and the action scenes were amazing because they kept my attention the whole way through. And this was just like, we're going to blow crap up all day long. So now George is not done yet, apparently. What you want my opinion? My opinion is George Lucas has something against my childhood that he was that he he looked over, he seen that I'm a happy good fella and that I loved these movies as a kid, and he said, you know what? I don't like that. And he has set out on a one man mission to destroy everything that I loved from the originals. J.J. Abrams comes in, looks at the originals, hears everyone saying we want to go back to the originals. Disney hears it. And they said, well, we're going to change our pacing. You remember when they said this, we're going to change our pacing, we're going to change the plot, we're going to focus on the post-original timeline, yeah. we're, going to, we're going to do all of these things to make it closer to the movies that people loved, and we're right. not going to have one, one damn Jar Jar Binks in, in the matchup. Uh, correct me if I heard wrong, but we're going to get a tall Yoda, yeah. and at some point George himself is going to take part in this movie, and he's going to come out on screen as, as God, walk across water, uh, part, the, part the oceans to help the Jedi do what they've got to do, in whatever Yeah, like capacity. they can't do it themselves. Right, right. Well, no, because George is going to get his say in this, and he hasn't appeared in a movie yet. He's, he's not Stan Lee, because, you know, Stan Lee could appear in a movie and it would be fine, but this is George we're talking about, so when he does this, he's going to do it big. He's going to descend from the heavens. He's gonna he's gonna part and he's gonna part a planet made entirely of water, okay? So that they can yeah, fly I'm, through. I'm just then... saying, in a world where, where there are Jedi who are basically all powerful wizards, no, this is like why George would you even need F somebody and, like George? This is George F and Lucas. He's gonna make it that big. They're gonna have a big planet made of water that they can't oh, go to hyperspace shit. because it's in the way. He's gonna land on one side. He's gonna split the planet in half, okay? To show how yeah. awesome he is. And then Jar Jar Binks is going to come up there and he's going to make some kind of uh, sexually innuendo joke about lightsabers and that's going to be the end of the movie. And that's what I'm expecting now that George is back involved. That's how bad I think it's going to be. Why? Because he has a track record of making these things worse each time he gets a hold of them. And now he's had years. He's had, he's had years to hone his skill in, in just screwing this franchise up. He's had years away from it. He's had time to think. He's had time to drink, apparently. And I don't know what he's drinking, but George, it ain't fair that you're not sharing. That's my thoughts. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't. I mean, I, I, feel, I hear what you're saying about episode three, and I, I can't disagree with you, but at the same time, I can't agree with you. I, I was entertained. I, I found... And you and I love what you said about finger pointing as a as opposed to alluding to, you know, you were absolutely right. They did. Star Wars does that. Star Wars does a lot of, you know, a lot of people hail the writers for acknowledging history and looping in on itself on key moments. I disagree with that. I think it's hack writing that that um, that okay. they go back and they say, you know, I got a bad feeling about this, and you know, it's the token. It's the token cliche among of, among token cliches in Star Wars writing. There's no hearkening back. There's finger pointing to a character or situation or a, there's no there's none of that. And I think that you saw that in Episode Three too. You know, a lot of people. I remember saying, "Wow, I like how they they referenced." Yeah, they did. They didn't really reference. They just basically you, used. You they, know, they just, there's a big difference between what they did in Episode Four. 
and five, actually episode five and episode three. And what I'm what I want to hit on just from a literary perspective, and I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I got to get this one out. That's okay. In episode five, you have the scene with the cave. There's a moment where he face where Luke faces Vader, takes his head off in the cave, and he sees that it's himself. This was something that yeah, it was foreshadowing, but it was it was such a concept that comes down to spirituality and philosophy right. that people were getting into at the time and are still getting into now about how you only really ever fight yourself in a fight. That uh, you, didn't, you didn't immediately say, oh, he's going to be, Vader's going to be his father. It didn't click in that way right away. I'm sorry, in, in episode two, in, when, he, when Anakin kills the, the tribe of sand people, in episode three, when he, when he takes off Dooku's head, these are not, this is not foreshadowing. This right. is, Anakin's going to be evil. <laughs> And then we, the poor, the poor watcher, the poor unfortunate soul, had to be subjected to this blatant finger point when there could have been so many better ways to do this. Why did they not put Anakin in the heat of a battle that he couldn't win and then his anger propelled him? Then it was enough. That's a subtle hint. That is a subtle hint. Obi-Wan got a subtle hint as being a poor teacher for Anakin in The Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace actually did something better then episodes two and three, and how sad is that? Well, you know what? Also, and you're right, the problem, another problem that the Star Wars franchise relies on is, and, and they, they did, George Lucas set this, this awful habit of doing this in the original trilogy. The original trilogy begins with the Tantra, the, the Tantra V under attack. Okay, you don't know why it's under attack. You don't know who this black figure in armor is or who the princess is, you don't know anything about this. You don't know who, you know, you, 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 you're being yes, brought you in halfway to three quarters of the story to make it more exciting, okay? Episode, um, uh, yeah, the next movie after that, um, uh, Return of, uh, Empire Strikes Back, you know, some time has gone by since the Death Star was destroyed and Luke is on Hoth. And you, you find this trend, and, and what you're talking about, they rely on additional, this is, where the, this is where the licensing comes in. They rely on other people filling those gaps, and it's not just for the movie, it's more so for the licensing, for the books and the media, because they all contribute to the timeline. This is, you know, they had a person who was called Keeper of the Holocron, when when they started getting into the universe of Star Wars. And I remember looking at some things, like how they looked at the timeline, and they have the basic meat of the timeline sketched out. And then they let people sort of nibble around that and produce these stories, okay? And that is a, I've never liked that because you're, you're coming into this trade dispute when we go back to the prequels, Coming into this trade dispute, and, and, and you know what? How is a seven-year-old, eight-year-old kid supposed to relate with that? You know, the, these delegates and these, these representatives and, you know, all these this blockade and all this other stuff, you know, the little kid, is, that's escaping them. They're just looking at Jedi and lightsabers and droids and all this, this imagery, this high definition, and we, the Star Wars fans, are looking at this like, okay, what the fuck is going on? You know, and, we, you know... I, it just bothers me, and that's George, uh, 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 Charles. That's what you're talking about. You know, you, the the finger pointing 
is is a gross representation of this stupid policy that they have with instead of actually telling the story they're pointing back to you know aspects of other things or they're allowing the the timeline to be to be filled in the the, the questions by other writers who suck and it's just it's just it's just one big circle of suck so um one 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 more to hit on one more because you've got to hit on this for the, for the phantom menace okay i don't care how good an idea i don't care how well it appealed to the kids to have one of the main characters in the phantom menace be a 7 year old and i could even see introducing him at the age of 7 and then coming back you know in the storyline in the same movie 5 years later and continuing on with it so that we get to see the evolution of this character a little bit. But if you must include one of your main characters being seven years old, please, for the love of everything sacred and holy and unholy, don't make him the main love interest of the story plot in the first movie. That's just <laughs> sick. That's he just sick aged, and it's though. gross. Oh, wow, that makes such a big difference. <laughs> you know what? At the, right. point, at the point at which... And this is the point that I make. There was nothing that said that he had to meet Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon at the age of 8. They could have picked the age of 14 or 15, which is at least, you know, that's almost teen romance stuff at that point. It's not something that's going to make your stomach turn in the middle of the movie when you realize what they're what they're pointing at for the future of this. It was just, it was god-awful. And they didn't think this through. They didn't think, well, you know, we can't really show any kind of connection between him, between him and this 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 older woman, because he's eight! Eight! So they, they didn't think that through. They said, well, hey, you know what? I'm George F. and Lucas. I can do whatever the hell I want. After that, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, like, sweep the desert with my hands and just, you know, have a giant gold statue of me hidden somewhere in the film. You just watch me. Just watch me. Well, I don't know, Charles. I, 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 I don't want to, I, I want to be very, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to put something out there and I'm not even going to expand on it because I don't want to go there. But my, I think there's something, I think there's something deviant about the back panel of Star Wars to begin with. That's how I'm going to put that, because you got a brother and sister kissing in one movie. You got, and you got a, you got a grown woman marrying what would have, you know, a love interest that was she met when he was eight. You know, you got that same love interest dressed in dominatrix wear, telling. Telling a guy, no, we can't do this. We can't go there. And she looks like she's ready to. You know what I mean? Like, it's just. <laughs> you know? It's, oh, wow. Okay. Um, uh, uh, you got to do a riff is... tracks at least once, Master Thompson. You've got to do riff tracks for these movies. <laughs> go ahead, Anton. What's up? Okay. Um, there is nothing inherently evil with brother and a sister kissing each other. Be careful also... here. Hmm? Be careful with this. Why? What, well, what, what's evil about it? What's movie, wrong with it? It was in the movie. It was a. It was supposed to spark a love interest. All right, and then they find sure. out that they're brother and sister. Now, you know everybody who's seen this. It, it's fucking creepy. It, it really is. I don't want to kiss my sister's a knockout. All right, <laughs> I, I, but. You know what? People say, hey, your sister's gorgeous. Yeah, she's gorgeous. That's it. I don't want to see her. I don't want to envision her. I don't want to... What she does in her personal life, like, intimately, that, that's... 
Yes, and and that is and that is your prerogative. Um, I, however, have to agree with Lawrence Krauss on this issue. Um, while it is highly not recommended to uh, produce offspring with close relatives, the love interest in itself has nothing evil in it whatsoever. There is nothing wrong with it at all. Same goes for for a high age difference. Why, why would that be objectionable at all? Why would fucking your brother because he or was your eight. be objectionable? Because he's eight. Yeah, well, when he's eight, yes. Because he's eight, when he's eight, eight yes. yes. That's but, the but objection. This is, Yes, but this is but but this is a movie where there was no, you know, explicit love interest at least from one side, right? Okay. When they got together, that was in the next movie when they were both consenting adults. Right. See, there's see, there's the trickery in the writing. Okay. This is this is why I say there's something very dangerous about their back panel, because you're absolutely right, Anton. They did a very good job with not putting anything sexual or intimate between Padme and Anakin in the first movie. But it was clear, it was very clear that we, it's just not even clear, we all know where that was going. That would be the mother of his children, and we knew they were going to get together. So they introduced them as a friend, as friendship. You're absolutely right. If you look at it like that, sure, friendship matures. Hey, but at can I interject real quick? I'm sorry, what's that? Just real quick, in the book, Ben the Menace, you know, Anakin did straight out tell Padme he's going to marry her one day. And well, that's Menace? a kid telling a girl he's going to marry her. <laughs> well, listen, oh, that is, oh. guys, guys, hold on, guys, guys, hold on. Yeah. The whole thing about the Phantom Menace and everybody, even after the movie came out and as time went on, when people had enough time to digest the themes and everything that happened, it, it was it was creepy. It was creepy. And, and, and it wasn't just one thing to jump on the, the, the this movie sucks bandwagon. It was, it was something that stood out because now that I re- – you're right, Mike. At the end of – toward the end of the movie, he does, he does tell her that I, I'll always care – she says, I'll always care for you and I care for you too. And there's that moment and whatever. They went above and beyond to make that look innocent. And there, right there, the, there is where the devil is in the pudding, right there. That's how I see that. And then episode two, now the kid's old enough, we can sort of explore that. You know, he's got lust in his eyes, and she's, again, dressed as like she's ready to friggin', you know, whatever, and he's, she's saying no, 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 and they relent and all this other stuff, and now they have children. There's just something purposefully wrong with that. And I know where you're coming from, Anton. You're saying, look, when you look at it from from a factual there was nothing inappropriate there. Well, that's the point. They purposely made it like that. They purposely was. They were very skillful well, in making it. Go ahead. What's that? Of course they, of course they did. <laughs> well, exactly. And, 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 and when you go with their track record of weird shit, you know the you know Luke and uh, yeah Luke and Leia that whole thing and there's a couple other things in, in in some of the movies that I can't quite like put my finger on but but I'm like yeah what the fuck you know you got this and you got this and you got this so it's just I don't know there's something very sexually adverse with their back panel in a lot of ways but let's let's sort of move on because um, I think we we need to get to this next topic um, so okay so we all pretty much agree that there's going to be some suck factor in the next Star Wars if George Lucas continues on his Order 66 campaign. I want to talk about yeah. transcendence, which is basically the singularity. And let me sort of 
quickly go into this. Now, we've been, we've been at Ashla Nights talking about this for several years. Several years we have been posting some, some significant articles about the singularity. And, and we talk about the singularity, we're not talking about the cosmic singularity that many believed created existence, okay? We're talking about the meshing of man and machine, and not meshing of man and machine in, biolog in biology and in mechanics. We're talking about consciousness and AI, all right? We are there. We are, we are, we, we're there. This is, this is not a if and when. This is a yes and how, how it's going to be taken, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be. Now, we have a movie coming out called Transcendence, and the Transcendence is about this very thing. However, there are some, some, some awesome articles about this very subject, and I think it's a subject that needs to be explored because the whole meat of this is, should we be doing this? Now, we talked about, we had another topic uh, months ago about something where I gave the example of Japanese scientists taking monkeys and making them glow, <laughs> okay? Um, they were doing something for something, and they said, well, I wonder if we can put these in a, in, in, in a mammal, these, these genes, these glowing genes. And I think it was, you know, they were, trying to, they were trying to follow an illness or they were trying to follow a cure by making it glow. I think somebody said, well, let's try it. And they made monkeys glow. Monkeys fucking glow, <laughs> okay? Now, the reason why I have a problem with this is just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. All right, and these glowing monkeys are still—they're producing glowing babies now, and all this other shit. So, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Just because we can move consciousness into, so so to speak, a cloud, doesn't mean you should do it. And I have a problem with this. Now, you guys know me—I'm a big tech. I love technology. I love futurism. I love all this stuff, and I'm I'm for it. But this is one thing when it comes to cloning, and it comes to this shit. This stuff scares me, all right? It's one thing for an AI to become self-aware. That's different. This is different. But when you take a human being with all of its nuances, the, the, the human psyche with all of its nuances, its subtleties, its, con, its uh, uh, complexities, its knowing and not knowings, if you will, permit me to butcher the English language, and you put it into an AI construct, that's more dangerous than an AI coming online. An AI coming online can be taught, can be shown, potentially be shown the right path. You can, you can teach that. A human being who has already lived his or her life, form their opinions and their judgments, become a, per, a good person or a bad person, to give them everlasting consciousness in a cloud that's going to be linked to every network on the face of this earth and then beyond, that's dangerous shit right there. That's very dangerous um, shit. So, um, Anton, I'm going to start with you since... Um, yeah, thank you. Right off the bat, um, let's, let's say we trans transfer a human being, a human consciousness, into a machine. Now, why does it follow that this machine must be connected to every other being of its kind or to any knowledge database? I, I don't see that logical connection there. Could you make it, please? Are you asking me? Yes. You're asking. Uh, you repeat the question again. 
Well, in in the last sentence, basically, you said that um, it, it's objectionable to have uh, human consciousness that is already formed, that is already grown and, and has experience of its own. Then when it would be transferred into a machine, that that machine would be connected to other beings of its kind and a knowledge database. question is, between those two things, the transfer and the connection, uh, there is a logical gap there. Why does one have to well, imply I'm the other? I, I, I'm inferring that there is a connection. And, 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 and the reason why I infer that is because a cloud, because that's probably what this construct would be, some sort of cloud, okay, is going to be accessible by some network. And some network is linked to another network. And some network... Um, and okay, 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 wait, wait. wait uh, yes, I understand the slippery slope once you started. Now... How do you know that it will be connected to a network in the first place? How like, do I like know what it? is, and in fact, even even if we presume that that was so, uh, a vast majority of the kind of people who would be transferred into machines currently are living with access to large databases, with access to the internet, right? And it, it, it's not that big of a difference, really. I mean, okay, if you're yeah, why would it be more dangerous if that being was in, uh, in an artificial machine as opposed to a natural machine? Well, I got, I got two answers to that, okay? And I'll try to be brief because I want to bring... If Mike, you're still here, and Charles, I know you definitely want a piece of this. So I got two quick answers for that. Number one, the average... Let me not generalize. Some people use their cloud for good. They got their docs, their spreadsheets, their family movies their family pictures, their selfies, their all their their you know, their PDFs that they've downloaded for their workouts. They've got all the stuff that they they think is important, which is probably, you know, a terabyte or two worth of stuff that they just don't want stored on their computer or their hard drive because they don't want, you know, they, so they put it in the cloud. Okay? Right? That's mm -hmm. fine. Now, think about the opposite of that all your porn, all your pedophilia, all your your private videos of you smashing the skulls of puppies, you pulling out wings of flies, all, all your private writings on suicide and torture, all the shit that makes you a whack job. You don't want that on your computer. You have a private and... and, 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 and uh, a secure cloud that you can put that in. All that crazy shit is in your <laughs> cloud, not on your, your server, okay? So while it's private to you, other networks have access to that. Other databases have access to that if they want it. Most people don't want that. Most people don't traverse people's clouds and access them, but it's possible that people do skirt some of the, if you will, fat around the cloud, the lining around the cloud. That's how you get your 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 advertisings. That's how you get your your little side panel, you know, keyword um, genes or whatever. Because while networks don't get into your personal information, they look for meta tags. Okay, and every, and all your your piggish shit has meta tags that are exposed to that. And that's how people figure out what's in your cloud and so on and so forth. It's like your cloud is raining garbage, okay? Or your cloud is raining normal shit. That's one thing. That's one way. 
The other, the other reason why I think it's dangerous is because, and this is my personal belief, okay, human beings are incomplete. We're incomplete spiritually, we're incomplete emotionally, we're incomplete philosophically, we're incomplete mentally, we're incomplete. We are a canvas that's still being painted. Okay? Um, okay. And, and, okay, and while I applaud the mind science and the, the medical sciences and the philosophers and the cosmologists and everybody who's out there trying to underscore, italicize, bold print, define and describe all the complexes and all the subtleties of every construct that is the living creation and existence to put in some paragraph some summary of who we are, where we might be going, and what our purpose is, it is still below an eighth of what the, the, the truth might be of who we are. And we fill that void with exploration into the flesh, into the carnal, into avarice, into all these different aspects of our life. Now, you, Anton, and me, you and I, we live our lives, I, I think you're a great kid. I, I, I hate to keep calling you a kid, too, because I don't know how old you are, and I don't mean any disrespect by it, but I just, I mean it as camaraderie. I, you're, you're, you're a great sure. guy. You seem like a good man. You seem like, you know, you, 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 you're, you know you're, you're very forward on a lot of things, and, and, and I like that about you. And you, you don't seem like a threat to me. You don't seem like a bad person. You could be a piece of shit over there in Germany. I don't know that, but from what I've, I gather, you're not. You seem like a good guy. But a good guy comes to be from experiences in life. You have had to experience some adversity, some, some, some suffering, some, some, some sacrifice and challenge in order to say, this is how I want to be, this is how I want to live my path, this is how I'm going to be, as opposed to saying, I'm going to give in to my anger, my hatred, my, 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 my desire, my passion, and, and be that person and, and grow up adverse. You're not like that. You seem to have gone the other way. Not everybody is like that. And when you let someone who has walked the evil, I'm not saying darkness, because we all have darkness within us, okay? There has to be a, a, a healthy balance of darkness and light in a person. I believe that. But when you let somebody who is chosen or has been born, and I do believe some toys are broken, okay? When someone is born evil or turns to evil and they have lived their lives in an evil way, to allow them immortality in some sort of cloud is almost letting those metatags seep out and it, it, it's just dangerous. It's a dangerous thing because if it becomes access, then it is now not just national, it's global. You know, and I think that that's, and, and now you have a human consciousness that is, no, the movie Transcendence, I'm assuming that this is a person who's not just computer savvy, he's network, computer, all that shit, knowledgeable. This is a person who knows infrastructure, okay? And this is a person who is tinkering with, with this, this construct. And he gets uploaded into a cloud, and he now, that's the problem. The, the previews depict what the problem could be. He thinks that his, his perspective on how he lived his life, which is based on how he lived his life, how he sees the problems, the issues, should, be, should, be, should transcend everything, should transcend everyone. And that is the problem. That's why I think, I don't think anybody should have it. I don't think... What, you, what people would classify as good people should have it. I don't think anybody should be allowed to be clouded. 
I don't think it should be. I don't think it should be an option. I think you know, life has a finite. Life is finite. There is a there is a time and place for everything. Entropy must be, and the end must come. And to give people everlasting life when we are incomplete, when we are so incomplete in every facet of our our existence, is dangerous. We don't even um, know what we don't even know, and we're going to continue on. All this around us, this 4% of, of, of matter that we can interact with, this in the way we, we, we the words we use to, to, to understand it and the context in which we try to experience it is all very primitive. It's still it's still in its beta it's still in its beta phase. We don't know. We don't understand. We don't even know why we're here. We don't understand was this an accident? Was this a byproduct of Gases and, and, and matter coming together and producing a reality that was accidental? We don't know. Was it meant to be? Was there a, 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 a grand plan, a design? Was there an engineer that did all this? We need to know these things. These are the things we have to understand before we start experimenting with creating new life or, you know, making ourselves, making our, our consciousness immortal. That's what I think because when you have incomplete when you have something incomplete, the chances of it being misinterpreted and misunderstood is is it's exponential. It just it, it it's going to happen. It's going to happen huge, and it's going to permeate groups, uh, nations, cultures, civilizations. You name it. That's how. That's why I think it's it's a dangerous thing. I I have a question. Go ahead. You guys know Mike is not, you know, computer savvy. So is the cloud thing basically like a Jedi holocron? Yeah. Yeah, like, no? like a Jedi holocron, yep. All right, yeah. well, in essence, I understand it could be dangerous. And so I'm not trying to cut you off, but I have to go um, do some stuff to share off here in a second. But um, I understand that it could be dangerous, but could it be a good thing as well? So, like, you know, you know in essence, to a degree, you know, your KOA shares are going to live on, and your words are going to be passed on. Is it like that, or am I thinking a different route? No, and, and, and let me just get into this, because I think, I think what you're saying is, look, there, there could be some benefits to this if we're just passing on good stuff. Well, there's the dichotomy there that I disagree with as well, and I'm a lightsider. I don't think anything good should stand alone by itself. I think everything has to have its, its opposite equal standing next to it. That's what I believe. I believe that if you have a holocron, if you have a cl- you have a cloud of evil, murder, death, killed, then there should be a cloud of of happiness, peace, serenity, and all that stuff standing next to it. But the problem I believe is, you know what? I, I my my personal thinking is, I would hope that the happy happy cloud. <laughs> I can't believe we're just, but the happy happy cloud would influence people more. But my personal experience tells me that it won't. I think people will be seduced by the opposite because the opposite is more intriguing. And people will look at that because there is a, in, like I said, there, I believe that there has to be a natural balance. No, not a balance. There has to be a measurement of, e, of, of darkness along with the good. Now, whatever that measurement is, I don't know with each person, but there has to be some sort of, of, of measurement of both within a person, but I believe that some people whose measurement of darkness is much higher than light will be seduced by what they see in that other cloud. 
and they'll just say, okay, well, let's, let's get access to this. What's in here? And then, like you said, if it's a holocron-like sort of consciousness, look at all the stories in Star Wars. Darth Bane, Darth Revan, Darth Nilus, um, Exar Kun, um, Voto C.S. Bosk, all these Jedi, all these fallen Jedi who came across what? Holocrons, clouds in a box that basically taught them the other side of things, that showed them the other side and gave them a different perspective on their force abilities. They're already gods. Force people are already gods. They're demigods. And the more they use it, the more they practice, and the intent behind it, they become godlike and or demon-like. And this is the this is what this is one of the subtleties in Star in the Star Wars universe that they try to teach. They try to replace demons and angels with dark Jedi and Sith and 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 Jedi. And they try to tell the story of you know corruption. The serpent is like a holocron, you know. And these people, these Jedi, these these these, these questionable Jedi who are on a sojourn of, of of understanding, keep finding themselves face to face with the serpent in the tree. And basically what it is, is the holocron. And it's the voice, the booming voice coming from a box telling you, you know, this is how you do it. If you want this, this is how you do it. You don't have to worry about this, that, the other thing. And that's what I fear with these clouds. That's exactly what I fear with these clouds. You're right, Hannikin. These things can be used for good, but you can't have one perspective and expect life to continue. It I don't think it works that way. The universe does not work with positive energy alone and, and, and positive matter. There is dark energy and dark matter out there, and these two things overshadow in measurement positive energy or light energy and, and, and good matter. They make the universe consistent. They give us our 4% that is tangible. It is the darkness that makes everything work. And that is the that and, and if and, and, and it is the darkness and light within each person that gives them perspective and depth, that gives them the conscious that, that allows their conscious to develop their character so that they have what disposition, a light or a dark? We don't know. It depends on how you live your life and how you see things. So you can't really have one perspective teaching people. You must I believe you must have two. And people have to make their own decisions. They have to say that my palate is wet by that darkness. I'm going I'm to walk that path or that is displeasing to me. I choose to walk into the light, but I understand that there will be times where I will have to do dark things for the good of whatever. And I believe that we haven't even reached that sort of enlightened consensusness of thought yet. We are so in the dark times of philosophy, spirituality, and ideology that it is dangerous to, to, to package up anybody's consciousness in this state here now in the cloud and store it there for future generations. I just don't think it's right. I think that we need to get to a point where we transcend a whole bunch of shit and come to understand a whole bunch of other shit before we even consider clouding our consciousness. Charles, what do you think? Well, I think the premise of the transfer is flawed, and I think we haven't hit on what that flaw is going to lead to. What you're transferring, if you're transferring consciousness, you're transferring memory and experience, as well as personality traits and learned habits. And that's, if, you, if you're looking at this as a transfer in the sense of data, then 
we've got to rule out the concept of the soul first. And I'm good for that. You know, we'll even assume that it doesn't exist for this uh, little debate because it makes it a little bit easier to work with this. If the soul exists, then you're losing a key component right there that cannot be transferred into a machine. So we're just going to leave that out of the equation and just go with the transference of memories, experience, and personality traits, which are all learned things to a, to a degree, and that's arguable as well. But these are the core of what we're going to be transferring. Has anyone here ever read or heard the account of someone who's comatose? Where they yeah. or partially comatose, where they have awareness but no sensation. Has yeah. it not occurred to anyone here on the panel that we're effectively putting this consciousness into a shell more or less the same as one who has the ability to perceive through sight and hearing, but the inability to touch or to experience those sensations. And those sensations are so hardwired into the psychology of this person's memories, of their sense of self, that what you're transferring is not going to be completely them. It's going to lack all of those things, and it's going to likely, if the thought patterns are transferred in the form of data, lead to some form of depression. My understanding, and I've not had the misfortune of knowing anyone personally who has been in the state, but I've known people who had relatives who were in the state and were able to communicate through blinking, or through like moving their eyes to spell things out. Uh, the general request that they get within the first week of this state is kill me. And I really want you to think about this. We are downloading this person as a program. We've removed from them the sense of touch, the sense of taste. We've removed from them the enjoyment that their physical body brings them when they wake up. We've removed from them the enjoyment that their physical body provides them on a sensory-based level. And, and hear me out. I mean, when you eat breakfast, you enjoy the taste. Even if you don't enjoy the taste, it's a sensory input. We've taken that away and replaced it with other sensory inputs, but those sensory inputs would be limited to the same cortex system that uses sight and sound for this thing's personality. Don't get me wrong. If you were to lock this program down, because that's what it is now, is a program. It's an emulation of that person as they were, because you've removed a key component of who, who and what they were, which was the body. You, you funnel mm. that data through and leave it online long enough, it might make its way through its own depression in a month. It might, it might be even faster, depending on the processing power available at the time. It may be able to live faster than we live, if, in the sense of how it thinks and how it acclimatizes. But initially, no matter how you look at this, we're torturing this being. If you see life as a an awareness of information and of personality traits, we are torturing this this being in a very huh. true and definite way. And um, I seen what you wrote there, and I'm not arguing. Um, I, I have no intent. If you want to hop on and, and present, no, 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 it's I'm um, even... no, it's th this was a couple of minutes ago when when Derek's no no actually. Yeah, no, you, you said that, uh, you know, we have to dismiss that um, proposition just for the sake of argument. Uh, no, what I was uh, going to say is that the problem that you're facing when you're saying that we're torturing that being is not one problem that would be any different with just conventional artificial intelligence. Because you know, there is no... Okay, sure, go ahead. 
Well, you say it would not it would not be any different. Is that what you're yeah. saying first? Yes. Okay. yes. I would and disagree artificial... because you cannot miss what you've never had. I've never seen spectrums beyond the visible shades of light, and I'm not missing. I've had amplification devices provide those spectrums into a downgraded form so that I could see them through this visible spectrum for human eyesight. But I'm not missing out on the wonderful look of the glow of a flower through the EM spectrum at the high wavelength. Now, if I had that my entire life, and that was how I found beauty in flowers and life, because I could see that blossoming pattern of energy, and that was removed, I might find it soul-wrenching. I really might find it very terrible to deal with. I would well, not miss yeah. my eyesight if I had never had it. But yeah, of course the having is... had it... Sorry. Of course, the question is, um, you know, would it would it still be you without all the uh, all these sensory inputs? What tells you that when you are transferred into a machine, that that machine would function any different from the machine you are you are now? Because it has different sensory leads into it. Unless well, but you have the matrix, right? If now, if you're talking now, what we're talking about at present is transferring intellect into a machine as a host program system, which is fantastic. What you're talking about is transferring intellect into a sensory, uh, a sensory, how can I put this, emulation system, which is a whole other, whole other bag of beans, and that could work. And that could even be done within the same concepts that you've listed. That can even be done with existing systems implanted into this. We can, uh, we can pardon the phrase, put the ghost into the shell if we were to take the time to go this route. But that's the point that I make. We're talking about linking this consciousness up to networks across the vastness of cyberspace. And we are then, in some effect, removing it from its natural understanding of an isolated, an isolated physical system. We're removing it from its systematic processing of biological functions and all of these things that make up part of your personality. And anyone who wants to claim that their personality doesn't have to do it with their body, go stub your toe on the couch and come back to me and tell me what kind of mood you were in when you did it. These are all integral to the functioning of this conscious mind, and we're putting yes. it now, we're putting it in a box. And see, the initial question was putting it in a box. Now, you're talking about putting it in a very specialized box that either A, mimics the sensory input through emulation, which would be like the Matrix, or B connects to a sensory systems that are able to take the place, and you could do that. We have thing, we have devices that can smell. We have devices that can touch. So that yes. is not impossible. And if you did that, then I honestly don't know what effect that would be. You would still need to run emulation software for the expected inputs of chemical processes because we do expect inputs. You expect. On some level, you expect to be a little groggy when you wake up if you're one of those people who've always been groggy in your life when you wake up. And if we were to remove that from you, it would well, have again, an impact again, on why your would we, Again, why would we have to remove that? Why, why can't we emulate that? I'm this not, is not an issue. Yeah, this is something I'm that not is saying we can't. not even a problem. It's, it's not I'm an not issue. Saying we, I'm not saying yeah. we can't. What I'm saying is that the initial question that was being asked is based on connecting this, this entity through a vast network and giving it access to the internet oh. as its primary method of movement and evolution. And this is not, we have built you a robot, but 
we have the technology. We've made you faster, stronger, better than ever. Now, this isn't the $50 trillion man, which, by the way, was also our president's recent, uh, the name for his recent financial bill. This is not the $50 trillion man. This is, we're putting the mind in a box. and we're, It's a really big box. It's a fantastically huge box. But it's still just a box. And that's a whole other, whole other concept than immortality through technology and emulation of the existing body. And uh, you, I just seen you said you got to go. So I want to, before you do, I want to thank you for, for hitting on that with me. Because you're absolutely right. Now, if we make an android body for this, for this being, that is a whole other step. And I could, I, you know what? I could get behind creating an android and transferring a person's personality and consciousness. And then if they want to take and, you know, expand their consciousness through the networks, through a link-up and still retain that android's functional system, I believe the person would remain sane and healthy to the degree that they can, which is to the degree that anyone can, that they would remain functional, and they would have all of the same character faults most likely they did before. And most of the same uh, character uh, benefits as a person, most of the same positive traits. But to put this person in a box, to put this personality and then have its input limited to the data frame, I honestly believe the, wor the fear, the worry is not that this thing is going to turn evil. The worry should not even be that it's going to, to take over the world. I think it'll be too busy trying to kill itself. And I don't think I'd be able to blame it. Now, right. the question is, how much collateral damage would it create in the process of trying to snuff itself out? All right, two things. Two things. Charles, I hadn't considered what you, what you, what you, what you just talked about, but... Quickly to address that, uh, yeah, that's a possibility, absolutely. I think it makes perfect sense. However, scientists are now, scientists have, have long discovered that human consciousness is as powerful as gravity, okay? And that means that if you were to divorce the, uh, the consciousness from the human body, there might be, there might be a whole reality created from that consciousness to address the lack of uh, stimuli. That's where we get solipsism. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that. Solipsism is the, uh, I, know, I don't know too much about it, but solipsism is a philosophy. It's more of a philosophy, but it's tied to a psychological principle that the, the brain can exist in a solitary perspective, which basically means if everything, every, if you guys just like look around your rooms, look around, look at yourselves, look at your, your arms, just look around. All that to you is nothing without you observing it. If it's not there, then it doesn't exist because your mind makes it exist. Now, I might be loosely... Um, um, uh, uh, defining that, but that's basically what the premise of solipsism is. That solipsism, and it's a little bit more dangerous than that, as a matter of fact. Solipsism is, you don't exist. You're, my mind makes you exist. There is no Charles. Charles, you're not there. So if I killed you, it doesn't make a, di a difference 
You don't exist. Now, this is different from a figment of my imagination. This is different from some form of crazy, okay? I was about to say, you've <laughs> never been uppercutted by a figment of your imagination before, have you? <laughs> All right. You don't so, exist. Well, then I'm going I'm to be the hardest non-existent you've ever met. The, the difference between going, the then. crazy form of you don't exist, so I'm going to kill you, and the philosophical, i.e. psychological, you don't exist. Therefore, there is, a psychologic, there is a psychological mechanism in there that defines this thinking. Okay, it's almost go, it goes back to if the tree falls in the in the in, in the woods and no one's around, does it make a sound? Well, no, because it doesn't exist. The right, tree doesn't what you're talking about, woods. what you're talking about, are self-analysis programs that, are, and I call them programs, but that's because I think like a computer programmer. You're talking about self-analysis programs that are running inside the brain. These are the these are these are built on the same part of your thought process that when you're standing on the edge of a cliff says, hey. I should jump, and then the rest of your brain kicks over and goes, "No, you shouldn't, dumbass." That's okay. uh, right. it's part of right. the, it's part of the self-analysis system, though. Yeah, and it's it's built in. Yeah. So every human being, every human being has an aspect of solipsism in them. It's not enough to be classified as a solipsist or a solipsism as as it's defined, but this is our this is our consciousness. This is. If I, this solipsism is basically can be interpreted as I'm on the phone right now, I can feel the phone in my ear and I can see my terminal in front of me, my hands on my desk, so therefore it exists, okay? This stimuli is, this, this is so powerful in the, in the human mind that it is believed that if the mind was divorced from the body and put into a construct where it can, a construct that is malleable, that's the key thing. If it's a construct that is malleable, the, human, the power of the human mind will create its own reality. But so see, this, perhaps, is, this is where I'm going to ask you the question. Yeah. Are you building a neural emulator or are you transferring right, this person's right. conscious memories? Because there's right, a difference. Right. A neural emulator, you'd map the brain, map the neurons, right. and run yes. that like you would emulation software. And if yes. in that case... Likely what would happen is that the brain would actually run its own emulator, as funny as that's going to sound, and create its own world, i.e. Right. a matrix within itself. Uh, something similar to, and I'm only hitting on the science of this, not spirituality, so a little disclaimer, right. I'm, I don't buy into this for coma patients, that they aren't using their spirit in some way because too many of them come back with too many things that their brain could not have known. But I'm going to leave anything like that aside and hit from a pure scientific perspective from the pure science perspective, their brain creates a world inside itself because the neurons are still looking for that input and they demand exactly. that input and therefore will create the input and create a reality within it. That's a neural emulator and that is very different from just and, taking the and, person's and, conscious mind, the right, conscious thoughts, we, awareness, and patterns. So and if you're talking not, about... If, if you're talking a neural emulator, this the person inside this box is not going to have access to the rest of the cloud. That's well, the funny thing. It, now their box is complete. Their box is complete, right? Except if you know you're in the box, if you have that dual perspective, then it becomes something else. And I think that's where this movie might be going. I don't know. I haven't seen it. It's not out yet. I, I, I probably won't go see it until it's... But I'm going to be very interested to see because I'm I'm assuming because all the all the articles I have read up until this movie have 
touched on what we're talking about. You can't, you can't just take a consciousness and throw it in a box somewhere. You can't you know, because the, the brain, like we talked about, the brain is used to appendages. It's used to, it's used to being able, it's used to being tactile. Okay, it's used to being able to be, it's used to words, it's used to feeling, it's used to interpreting, taking stimuli and turning it into, it's used to this. You're absolutely right. I think the brain would implode on itself in some shape and you'd go mad and whatever. So I think if, I remember some of these articles saying that you just can't do that. You have to create programs or software that would help the brain adjust to a new, its new construct. And that's where this comes in. And so see, this sounds, I, I got, I got to tell you, you, just hear me out. This sounds a lot like the same explanations people give for psychic awareness and astral projections and vision questing. And what they say is that you've already got access to the information. Your brain is just building a, a rhythm and a setup right. to let you interpret it. Um, seriously, and don't take this offensively uh, and don't pat yourself too hard on the back either. Uh, you have just summed up almost 50 books worth of occult wisdom as it concerns the understanding of metaphysics. Whether or not you buy into it, I'm not going to argue, but I'm, I'm telling you, everything you just hit on in there sounds like the principle of metaphysics and the principle of astral projection and psychic awareness. And it's really, I always find it not hilarious, but I guess humbling and whimsical to note that as our science fiction becomes more and more our medium of choice, our, our, old, our old method of understanding metaphysics gets incorporated into our understanding of science fiction and the application of these things and then eventually possibly science fact. Right. Well, in the movie, the previews, Charles, you can see that this consciousness, I don't know if you've seen the previews for this thing yet, if not, look it up on, on YouTube, you can see this consciousness wreaking havoc on networks. It, it's sending its own signals out through, out through uh, uh, satellites. Somehow it's, it's now, and if you know anything about wave theory, all right, particles, particles can be, oh, I don't want to divulge too much. Uh, all right, wave theory, a particle can change its composition. Okay, to fit, if you take two particles, most particles have a mirror image, okay, and those, that mirror image is, they're, they're linked, it's like a twin, except it's a, a little bit more spookier, thus, you know, uh, what Einstein classified as spooky action at a distance, which is your particle can be, let's say there's a Derek here on the phone and there's another Derek, you know, 500 miles away. Now, the difference between having a twin and having a mirror image particle is that that part of that that twin will do exactly the same thing I'm doing here right now, okay? And they can't measure the force or energy that's linked between the two particles that compel both of them to mimic each other at such great distances. Thus, spooky action at a distance, okay? Now. If you were to take the same particle, okay, and you were, and both particles are attracted to each other, okay, so if the particle wants to be with the other particle and it's divided, they've shown this in experimentation. The particle 
It's, um, for example, like if like if there's a barrier the particle can't transfer through, um, and it wants to be with the other side of the particle, the bar the particle will transfer its will 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 change its composition, so it will pass through the barrier in waveform and rematerialize as a particle on the other side. It's freaking crazy, okay? But they call this entanglement. This is called quantum entanglement. All right, and it sort of, on some scientific level, starts to cross into some areas of telekinesis and some 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 more some more ethereal sort of science or 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 you know. Uh, I, I I got I got to slow you down on that because if I don't, Nathan will never forgive me. Okay, um, <laughs> and I won't. There's a lot of there's a lot of misinformation on quantum entanglement that tries to put it yeah. into. The yeah. pseudosciences and the right, mystical right. areas, yeah. and I, I just go, want to hit up ninety-nine percent of ninety-nine percent of that doesn't work because we don't have enough power inside our body to split. Right. Well, we have enough power, but we don't have any way of harnessing it to split a single particle to quantumly entangle it. And even if we did, we would only be splitting and quantumly entangling one particle, not someone else's particle. So the idea that you move the spoon because you uh, entangled it on a quantum level would require that on some level you already were the spoon, which unless, just doesn't doesn't work. Unless, out. unless, unless there was some wave theory happening in between you and the spoon, and that right. is which is not using entanglement at that point. Okay, right. that, now, that, that's a whole that's a whole other whole other bag of beans. And at that point, what you're dealing with is a biological system having some ability to create or affect the wavelengths in its system. Okay. And we don't we don't know that the brain cannot do that. We just don't have sufficient evidence to say that it can. Right. But here, actually we have. Alright, I mean, I'm going to give you the floor in one sec. Let me just get this. So let me just finish my thought and I'll let you guys have this, okay? Now, <laughs> the spoon and the person, the human being, are two different things, are they not? Okay, in, no. They're... According according to according to particle physics, they're not. They're the same thing. People in spoons, people in metal, metal in in rock, rock in in, in air, air whatever. All these elements that you find that are tangible are of the same composition in the same particles, the same atoms everywhere. They just arrange differently. We have flesh and blood. Rocks have rock, okay, and metal has metal, all right, that is, that is the philosophy of cosmology, okay, it is, the, it is, it is, this, they are the same, same thing except different compositions, so we human beings with the consciousness, with the energy, the, the consciousness, guys, is the energy, okay, we with the energy that can be focused and directed as powerful as gravity, can somehow, somehow, if we honed it, if it was possible to do it, I don't think it is, as you guys believe it's not, but if it were possible, our particles can entangle with the same particles in the spoon and be able to affect it in some way, shape, or form, given the illusion of telekinesis or whatever you want to call it. But in, in essence, it's not. It's, it's quantum entanglement. And I understand where you guys are coming from, where that, that dispersity comes in. But the philosophy, again, the philosophy behind cosmology suggests that there could be a perspective 
that this could happen because we are of the same atoms in the same particles. All right, guys, I'll give you, I think it was Anton, well, go ahead. I, I, oh, I was going to say, you might be better off going with single string uh, quantum theory at that point. Single string quantum theory would provide you a better, uh, a better probability for what you just suggested, and that's not say single string is or isn't. Uh, but is you know what, Charles? But, you, but, but Charles, you know what? You're abs you're right too. Because now look at consciousness, right? Consciousness. How do we know consciousness is not a string? How do you know? What, what, I think what? it is. I think consciousness what? it resonates like a string. It vibrates like a string. It works like a string. It's multi-dimensional like a string. Why wouldn't it be? Of course. I, 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 I'm sorry. I don't. I don't understand what you mean by string at that point. We're talking um, about me or me or him. No, no, single well, string, Derek, single because, string because, theory. Well, oh. Derek, because... I mean, Derek, because... What do you mean, what is consciousness other than... And isn't it a string? Consciousness okay. is an emergent property of brains. Well, that's what you... No, no, that's... That's what it is. There is... No, consciousness... We, 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 we lost... Yeah, I know, he's, I know he's gone, but, but, but we're still alive, right? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I was just letting the listeners know uh, when they hear the recording or if anyone's listening to the live stream, mm. we lost him for a second. He didn't just, like, give up and throw his phone. I hope he didn't just give up and throw his phone against the wall. Yeah. We drove him to it, Anton. We drove him to it. <laughs> no, but, um... So... Yeah. We'll give him Consciously. a minute or two. Well, sure. I go mean... ahead. No, no, go ahead. I mean... You, you'll just have to repeat when he gets back home, most likely. Right, yeah. Uh, I was, uh, I was here, he is, here, that he is, here he is, here he is. Here he is. Oh, there he is. Woo! We thought we'd thought, we thought we'd pushed you so far that you just bounced your phone off the wall. At the <laughs> <laughs> I entangled I entangled with my phone. Okay. Um, oh, um, Anton, Anton asked me a quick question, and I'm going to give my answer. And, and it, I, you know, the science, scientists define consciousness as energy. It's the... What, wait, wait, wait. What, what scientists? What scientists are those? I'm sorry, because I have never heard this before. Physicists, physicists, physicists. First of all, it's the energy that animates life. It's the energy that animates that animates. Okay, that's how it's defined. Because you can't so? define it scientifically any other way. Because you, what is consciousness? It is the neuro, You know, those little pulses, those little neurons that come from the brain. How is that? Where do these neurons come from? Okay, okay they question. Right, question. Exactly, exactly. No, 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 no wait, wait a minute. Uh, uh, let me just then ask you. If, uh, so what about life that is not conscious? What about life that is not conscious? Yes, or do you not think that there is such a thing? Uh, well, why don't you give me an example of life that's not conscious? Any plant, any mushroom, any embryo that is that has not yet developed a, neur uh, a neural right, system. Right. Okay, okay, okay. Now... I personally, and, and this, is, this, is, uh, this is something that's debatable, obviously, in the scientific community, but I don't think there's anything, anything that has life has some fraction of awareness, has some fraction of consciousness, like plants, photosynthesis, okay, that's not just a, 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 a property, a, a reactionary property. Yes, that it is. is. When you watch photosynthesis, photosynthesis in play, that is a plant protecting itself and seeing that it thrives. You know, everything has a natural protection and uh, attack mechanism, all right? Okay, um, so photosynthesis is and works on a purely chemical level. 
The plant is not doing it intentionally. It can't help it. See, it can't even stop. I don't. I don't. I, I personally don't believe that. And I understand where you're coming from. That's the science. Science is telling you that the biology and the chemistry suggest that it is autonomic. It is just a thing that just happens. See, there's no, 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 no. It's it. It. What I said is, it can't help it. It can't decide to stop. In the same way that humans can can decide to stop breathing for a you know half a minute or something. We can decide that. Plants can't do that. They can't stop photosynthesizing unless it's dark. It's a purely chemical process. They have no control I, over it whatsoever. Are you are you are you saying that plants don't have consciousness or are you saying that they do have consciousness based on this? I'm saying they don't. See, I disagree. And I'm not basing it on that. I'm saying that consciousness is generally an emergent property of complex brains. I don't you know what? I you know you've seen you've seen you've seen the data and you've seen footage of plants, different types of fauna protecting itself so it can thrive and endure. I mean, that's not that's not something that's just, you know, a, a reflex. That's 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 yes, on some very basic, basic, minute level, there is some awareness that the plant has that it's in danger. You see what I'm saying? Like, it may not be full-blown consciousness like you and I. Yes, I, I see what you're saying. You're saying that here's a, you know, seemingly complex phenomenon. Let's explain it by introducing an even more complex thing like a consciousness. I'm saying, no, let's let's explain it by means of simpler things, like chemistry. Okay, all right, you that's know, fair. On, on, on the plant one, i got to say this. You know, uh, we don't have much of a lawn to mow, so I can't use my lawn, but the next-door neighbors have a decent-sized uh, patch of lawn, and they mow it frequently, and the grass hasn't uh, relocated yet at all. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Shut up. You know, <laughs> but, and you know I keep waiting for it to, so it'll come over to my lawn, because but, mine's just all right, a patch listen, of dirt where nothing ass. grows. But, all right, hey. All right. Chem chemically speaking, there are processes that happen within the within that plant that can keep it growing, that keep it that keep it. Uh, you know, it doesn't just get cut and it's the end of it. It just continues to grow, and 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 that's yeah, that's chemistry doing that. But there is when you measure when you take when you take that and people and scientists have done it when you take plants any kind of plant and you spectrograph it, you can see the energy coursing through its, its fibers. You can see that there is something coming from the roots, going up through the leaf, up through the stems, and it's, I mean, there's yes, some water level. Yes, and I, minerals. Sure, right, and I believe, I believe on some small level, every, every piece of life, everything, has some sliver, some, some, I don't know, some minute trace of independence and awareness. Okay? Well, okay. Then, then, Let's read. So we, we've gone from you know conscious animals yeah, over to plants. Now let's go even one step further. Let's say we have some sodium and we drop it into water and it and it starts running all across the surface and and you know giving off um, hydrogen reacting with the water. Is that conscious you're, too? You're making this too complex. Yeah. No, no. I'm making. I'm going. No, no, I'm going simpler no, 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 and simpler. If you want to, if you want to argue, no, no, no. Water, 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 water. There's no. There's no. There's no. There's no. There's no. There's no stuff in water. That, I mean, other than the chemical reaction that it has with CO2 and and, and carbon okay. dioxide and all that. I mean, that's just that's chemistry. Right. A plant is not just chemistry. There's a biology so, there too. You need so, to go simpler. So where is the yeah, where I'm going is yeah. Where I'm going is where I'm going is um, where do you draw the line? 
Exactly. How complex? How complex? How complex does a chemical reaction have to be in order for you to right. qualify it as right. conscious? Anton, I understand your frustration, and you just made my. Point. I'm not frustrated. I'm just. Oh no no I'm no 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 no, no, no! You're not. No, I I I, I misspoke. I, I don't. You're right. Your your principle is absolutely right, and you in 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 my opinion, you have just underscored my point. How far do you have to go? How far does it? Ha I mean, how how deep does the rabbit hole have to go? And 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 that's the thing. It goes. Listen, when you look at the universe, when when scientists look at the universe, you see. From the grain of sand, you have uh, the beach. And then from the beach, you have the continent. And from the continent, you have the planet. And from the planet, you have the star system. From the star system, you have the galaxy, the galaxy, to the, to the group, to the, from the group, to the known universe, from the universe, to the multiverse. It just, how far does it go? It goes as far as it goes. And that is the, that is the problem. That is the thing. When we take a consciousness, and we're, I'm trying to bring this back to the, the, the topic, when we take a consciousness and we give it, you know, immortality, potential immortality in the cloud, I think that that is wrong because we don't know. We don't know how far this, we don't know the, 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 the depth in the, we're just scratching the surface on the complexity of things, the subtlety of things. You know, I believe in entropy. I believe that things, everything in existence, everything, there's not one thing that, that, that exists in our 4% that doesn't erode or grow old and die. That which is, is the not what entropy says. I'm sorry, what? Well, which, which is not what the second law of thermodynamics implies. Oh, it doesn't? No. That's how I read it. I mean... Because, be, be, yeah, be, it, is, it is often um, mispronounced that way. It, it, it's often said that, you know, the second law of thermodynamics says that everything is running down and that everything is uh, going into chaos. No. Uh, what it actually says is that um, it, that energy tends... It, to the the amount of available energy in a system uh, with transfer of energy tends to get less and less. There is energy that kind of dissipates, that uh, um, becomes unavailable for further processing. That's all it says. It's you a thermo thermodynamical law. It, it doesn't. But you, you it doesn't you speak about consciousness. You're, you're defining life. what I just said. Energy is mass. That is the definition of energy. Energy is mass. No, it's not. Look it up. Energy, energy is equivalent to mass. Yeah, they it's are. Not... The same th it's the same thing. Energy is mass. And when mass gets old, when, 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 like you said, when energy is not as... <laughs> um, <laughs> mass is energy, but energy is not mass. It's, it's all the right, same... let, 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 me, let, me, let me do this. Let me do this. The yeah. other thing that I said to Charles, because Charles brought something else up, okay? He said something... I can't remember what he, what he said, but this is, you know, we talk about the, the consciousness in the box, all right? And we, 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 you know, oh, it was Hannigan. Hannigan said, can that be a bad thing? Why, why would that be a bad thing? Well, look at ghosts. If you believe in ghosts, if you believe in spirits, if you believe in this, 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 this um, you know, this property of, of uh, you know, the, that sort of thing, here's consciousness that has transcended into another realm. Okay, and by, by realm, I would say a different dimension. Okay, a different a different part of the string or a different string altogether. Okay, and it is so close to ours that it can still be accessible. Some of these ghosts typically are mal are very malevolent, evil, wicked things, 
and they're still visible and interact, and you can still they, they're still able to interact with this reality. That's not a good thing. That's an awful thing. You see what now, I'm saying? So now, so now you're so, now you're in my ballpark. And yeah. here's my question: If we transfer this thing's consciousness now, now we're now we're hitting on souls, which means I've got to bring the soul into this. And now we're now you've got to come up from the idea that the soul does exist. If it does, when you transfer this consciousness, do you transfer the soul? And if you do, what is that going to do? Well, see, to you're separating the consciousness and the soul. See, some believe the consciousness is the soul. They're one and the same. If the soul exists, I don't believe you can separate it from the consciousness. If it doesn't exist, then the entire statement is moot. Well, look at it like this. A lot of people think, you know, space and... We know that space and time are not separate, right? We know that they're one and the same, space-time. Space-time is a, is, is a construct that is, that is two things come together to produce a reality of one. A lot of people think that the consciousness and the soul are the same thing. It's the space-time of biology, you know? So you can't really separate both of them. I think they both go together. It's the essence. You know, the soul is the essence and the consciousness is the thought of that essence. So it's sort of the same thing. So if you're going to take the consciousness out of the, out of the machine and put it into the, into the cloud, you're basically taking the space-time of a person and putting it into the cloud, and it's the same thing. You know what I mean? So I think that is why it makes it even more dangerous. If you were just taking intellect, that's easy. You can record intellect. We do that all the time. Intellect, I think, to me, is data. And, I mean, it, that's how I've always looked at it, you know? It's knowledge. And knowledge can be recorded and it can be stored and, and accessible, whether it's good knowledge or bad knowledge. But when that, when that knowledge is animated, that's where I, I, I have a problem. I have a problem with that for right now, for right now. I think that humanity needs to come further in its philosophy, its spirituality, if any, if any, because some people may not be on that page, but it definitely needs to come, it needs to come so much further before we start putting space-time of people, consciousness and souls, into the cloud for accessibility down the road. That is an enormous gift. That is an enormous gift to give a consciousness that eternity, whether it's good or bad. And here's the thing. You know, I think somebody was disagreeing with it. I think it was you, Anton, that was you. You're disagreeing with, you know, it might be self-contained. You don't have to access it. You might be able to control it. Well, we can't control information right now that's virtual. People can access it. They can hack into it. They can, you know what I mean? So say you yeah, have somebody. The, Go ahead. The, the point I was making is that all the problems you're raising, all, all the problems you say would come about, they are already there. They wouldn't get any worse with with exchanging one machine for another. Okay. I just see, and I see what you, I see what you're saying, and, and and yeah, that's a point. You definitely, yeah. I just I just see like a virtual person, like a person with their consciousness. I'm stoppable. You know what I mean? Like if I if I rose to power. Well, Here's, here's my question. Again, are we doing this with the neural emulator where we're mimicking their neural system, which will keep this conscious entity sane at least? 
or are we doing this as a straight data and what habitual if transfer? This is already insane, though. Well, either way, the the point I'm raising is if it's a neural emulator, then this entity is probably not going to become any smarter than they were before over time. They're going to have an upper limit, and the emulator will define that upper limit as to what their neurons could have done with a functioning brain. So even if they become the virus, as it were, that's affecting a system, they're no more dangerous. Now, if you're talking a straight data transfer and character trait transfer and all of those things, and you find a way to give this consciousness breathing room without emulating its, uh, its neurological system, that I have no idea. Like I said, I think it would become suicidal far, far before it would become dangerous. But I think that in its effort to self-terminate, it might cause a lot of harm on the way down. That's that's my view. And again, it's the thing is we're dealing with such a we're dealing with such a big hypothetical. Well, Charles, let me how are we doing it? Why are we doing it? What are we doing it with? What's the hardware of this thing? I mean, you know, what is this? Is this the hardware we're using today? Or are we looking at a a fifty thousand processor system? You know, fifty thousand core processor, which would be or a fifty million. I don't know how many neurons are there in the human brain. Are we talking about you know, porting this piece of code? Billions? Fine, a billions, a billion right. core. No, well, probably not. I don't, uh, trillions would be might be pushing, but we'll say a billion core processor. Each part of that processor representing a neuron and emulating it via that. Okay, that but point, a neuron is a neuron is is a logical, you know, it's a logical gate. It, it's not a it's, core. It's not, it's not a equivalent it's not to a, a core. It's not a complete logical gate. It's not just a single on and off. It's actually a logical filter system. It has the, well, it has well, the okay, yes, to fire yes. different degrees. Yeah, and let's say it's a transistor. It would be right, equivalent to one transistor in, in one core of one such computer. I mean, it's nowhere near equivalent yeah. to a core. Right, well, that's what I'm saying. To do this with billions of cores, you're not looking at very fast cores either. You're looking then at like one megahertz cores. And that would, that, I mean, that's really comparative, and it would allow state shifting for the neurons within this system. So you that would be almost the ideal way to do this and if you're running it through something like that and it still doesn't have the structure that it had before that that's that's kind of my point we're dealing with such a large hypothetical that it's almost impossible to even grasp what we're trying to contemplate but, here you know what? But, 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 in, but in that in that but, let me finish in that okay. the fact that it is so hard to grasp the fact that it is so hard to to contemplate this is where I'm going to come back and I'm going to agree with, with you on this, Derek. It is so hard to grasp that we are not ready right now because we can't even grasp the potential of the failure. We don't know whether we're going to turn this thing into a virtual god or a virtual demon or if we're just point. going to turn it into a virtually depressed person. Yeah. Or they may find enlightenment. They may, they may, we may get the text back. We put someone's brain in this thing and we may get, we may get a text on the screen. I found, an, I found the truth. And we may never hear from them again. They're just going to sit in there enjoying it. We have no clue and, what and, the result and would be. And in what this is basically talking about a medical experiment. And when you are dealing with a medical experiment, you've got to have some idea of what the result's going to be. Well, that was that was my point because you know, you know, we 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 whether you agree with it or not. We have a natural cloud already for human beings for the psyche, and that's death. And whatever happens, wherever wherever the the netherworld 
or that, uh, what do the Greeks call it, the uh, ether. Wherever the ether is, is wherever the souls, we, some believe that the soul or the consciousness goes, we already have a cloud. And if you believe in ghosts, if you believe in, in demons and possession, that cloud is already got a hole in it. Or it's able, you know, uh, information, data, is, is able to be ex accessed. We all know that because you can get a Ouija board and some alchemy and some, you know, Charles, you know about that stuff. You can access that ether, that, that ether and, 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 and interact with that, you know, whatever's on the other side of that, that plane. Or whatever's in that ether can, seems to be able to tra traverse the, the, the cosmic, uh, the dimensional causeway to come back and forth and fuck with people on, on, on this level. So we already, if you buy into that, if you buy into that, we're already seeing a natural example of the cloud, the, the, the soul-slash-consciousness cloud already is, fallu is fallible, okay? To take a human consciousness and, and upload it, I think it's. I think in, in theory, it's it's awesome. It's 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 a hell of a it's a hell of a jump. But for these reasons, I think it's dangerous, Anton. And that's why. And you're saying it's no different than. And I understand you make a fucking awesome point with that. But the problem, my rebuttal to that is, if Derek Thompson ever rises to power and becomes dangerous, I can be taken care of, physically. Okay, I can be. I can be I can be. I can be imprisoned or killed. A consciousness that is in the cloud, can we just pull the plug? Can we just delete the cloud? Can we just, I don't know yes. what you do with clouds. Do you purge the information? Do you scrub right it? Now, right now, with everything we've discussed, every idea we've had used specialized hardware, which means you're going to have one central point. You may not be able to delete the impact that the thing has. It may, it, 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 if the person intelligence enough, they may write sub-viruses to infect computers so that their legacy will live on, quote-unquote. But... The, the same as a ghost. To run the system... Right, to run, but to run the system and for it to still have the consciousness, you're looking at such specialized hardware that I can kill this thing with a hammer. Because once I destroy where the central hardware is, it won't matter if it had an intent. It will no longer have the ability to process its original intent. <laughs> we may still be dealing... We may be dealing with still be dealing with the ghost of the ghost, as it were. But the ah. ghost of the ghost is only going to be as smart as the last program that was written, and we can antivirus right. that. that. That is, by the way, exactly the same thing as with a, you know, with a live human being. If you, if you take a hammer and bash it in his skull, he's going to die. Now, there's, you know, the, the ghost and the ghost may still you know, fade away and, and fly off or whatever, if you believe in such a thing. But it, 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 the analogy is... Perfect. It, it will work exactly the same way as it already does. Now, I'm going to give you something to worry about. Anytime yeah. technology advances and is made use of, eventually it does hit the consumer market in some degree. Uh, look at microprocessors. We are not running things that are as powerful as the experimental systems, nor are we running things as powerful as some of the systems over in NASA and over at government facilities, of which I don't even have sufficient knowledge to know everything about. I just know that a lot of hardware moves to a lot of places, and a lot of it is non-standard in terms of the computer world, and we do feel the, the beneficial fallout of that. Year one, we can kill this thing. Year one, year two maybe, even year ten. It takes a while for technology to trickle down sometimes. 
But eventually, your computer is going to have a 9 billion core system that runs at 100 megahertz per core, and we'll say, well, that was just way more efficient than trying to run something at a full gigahertz. What were we ever thinking? And if that's the hypothetical, you know, the special piece of hardware, sooner or later that hardware won't be special. Sooner or later, it will be everywhere. And at that point, can we kill the thing? At that point, if it can port itself over to home hardware, if it can port itself over to your toaster, because eventually your toaster is going to have that hardware. We're talking 50 years maybe. But in 50 years, that ghost in the machine may be immortal, at least in the sense that we can't kill it easily. And the thing is, you can kill anything if you're determined enough. We can nuke civilization, and that will kill it. I Undoubtedly. When there are no computers left, they will die. But what I'm saying yeah. is, right now you're talking about running this thing on specialized hardware and then linking it to the network and what's the danger. And right now there is no danger because it's on specialized hardware. Now when that specialized hardware is no longer specialized, when you're running your Intel uh, i97, okay, the i97 processor that has a billion cores in it, and you're looking at RAM that has some form of dynamic shifting for its states so that it can receive and send signals in three dimensions, you're looking at quantum processors, you're looking at whatever it was we had to do to build this thing in the first place, becomes home user level components, and this thing's still linked up to the network, now it's a danger. And that might be 50 years from the time you develop the system. But now it's a danger, now it's a threat, and can you kill it then if it has access to a network and other hardware that can run it? Um, it, can you do it? Yeah, yeah, anything's possible. And with sufficient firepower, anything can be killed. And you just ask any military official. They'll tell you with enough missiles, we can kill anything. But can you do it without wiping out every single device that's running this hardware? Depends on how uh, how fast. Well, you know, it depends on how fast the network is that's carrying the data stream. And well, what, the network's just going to get faster. What's uh, fast? There's a limit. To the network, to the to the network speeds. Yeah, uh, because right. because limits, there are that limits fiber optic. That limits fiber optic, and when it's fully in place, I'm talking through years, through 50 years of evolution of not only the machine yeah. that we're the hypothetical machine, but then the network that it's going to connect to. When we get to the point where we're using full fiber optic connections, you're looking at data speeds sufficiently fast enough to transfer a terabyte, more or less instantly. I mean, it's not really in instantly, but for the intents and purposes of what this this consciousness is going to do, and storage is already well over a terabyte in many, many, many home systems. Uh, yeah, you're, you'll, you'll look at a t point in time where this thing will actually be able to download itself, and it will be considered a small file. And yeah, that is a I'm saying, scary thought. I'm, I'm saying there is there are only so many frequencies we can use for, you know, for communication. There are only... There is only so much information a machine can possibly send at a time. Right, but, right? but we're still so, using, we're still using core systems that are built off single core networks, and or a single a central core system. Your processor still uses uses data gateways the same way it always has. And my point is that the technology you're talking about already bypasses that. You're talking about something that doesn't have one bridge or one. South Bridge, you're looking at something that has 20 South Bridges. You're looking at something that has a network of bridges and connections. You're looking at, you're looking at a, you're yes, looking it's going at something to be that is not a circuit board. No, no, I'm talking about the initial machine to host this consciousness. You're not looking at something that's a circuit board. You're looking at something that's a circuit cube. You're looking at something that uses the full three-dimensional potential 
of space and circuitry to run it. And when that hardware becomes consumer grade, it would then be able to use that hardware to copy itself and to exist in many places at one time. And can you get rid of it then? No, not efficiently. But we're not there right now, and we're not even there to do this, okay? Every, every, every concept I just gave you to even make this thing happen, Intel has not been able to successfully make use of. And I'm not saying they haven't successfully been able to build these three-dimensional boxes. No, they, they've built things like them. They haven't been able to build it and make it useful because there's no one who can code for it. How do you code for 50 data pathways that interlink between, you know, 50 different processors, 50 all linking to one hard drive, so that that hard drive has access to 50 different endpoint and outpoints to the so-called motherboard, now mother box at that phase, that is a tremendous amount of capability that we as human beings can't even exploit yet in a, for writing computer code. We don't even have the technology to do what we're talking about, but once we have that technology, then the question becomes how long before we do have the technology to make use of it for the, hum, for the, uh, for the end user grade level scaling, and then how long before it becomes standard technology. And I want to remind you, both of you here, that 20 years ago, if I told you we would be running a radio program via a computer, and there were computers 20 years ago, don't forget, and it would be live, and it would be streaming over the internet, and that it would be creating a 20 to 50 megabyte file, and that people were going to download that file somewhere between 30 seconds and 2 minutes, you would have looked at me, you would have called bullshit on me, okay? You would have called bullshit on me, and you would have told me to go back and play my Pac-Man some more. You would have told me to go back, and uh, 20 years ago, you would have told me to go back and fire up my Sega Genesis, that technology was nearing its limit, that you would never see telecommunication systems like that, and that we'd just be lucky if we could download one megabyte games in an hour. And now... We're having this conversation on a system that did not exist, on a network that did not exist and to the degree that it does, on computers that are so powerful that they dwarf everything that existed back then, even networked structured computer systems, even the supercomputers of the day. And it's only been 20 years. Heck, I could, I could say I could use everything I just said except for the, the game system references. I'd have to go with like, PlayStation 1 and reference all the way back just 10 years ago. So just 10 years ago, okay? A mere a mere 10 years ago you would have called BS on the potential to to do what we're doing right now. Now we're talking about let's build the specialized system. Do you have any idea what that would do in terms of changing the way technology worked? Our computers would be so powerful. So amazing that the consumer would demand that that technology be their new computer and hey corporation will meet demand for that especially if they can make a buck and they can so this hardware would get ported now it might well, not be the exact same but it's going to be good enough that this thing could fit line away in and at that phase you have made it immortal because immortality is when you cannot well not really truly immortal but you've made it as near as immortal as anything we could hope to set up i mean it will die eventually See either again, either, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 not seeing the connection between an in, an incredibly powerful system and one that that cannot easily be shut down. 
because just we're talking sever, about wait, wait, just sever, sever the fibers, pull it out the plug, and there it is, gone, onto yeah, the see, next computer. A, it's so whole, simple. That's a that's a whole other concept. You're talking about, you're talking about not plugging the thing in either to begin with, which would be the smartest thing ever done. Okay, if you're gonna make this thing, don't plug it into the internet. Seriously, just don't do it. It's not a good idea. It 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 falls into the giant dumbass moments in history yes, right before yeah, humanity yeah. is wiped out. If you plug it into the internet, your your reasoning is very flawed because it would be able to mask itself as the operating system if it's that powerful. And if the hardware is that powerful, you severing the connection would stop it where it was at. But you might never yes. be able to get it out of you may never be able to get it out of the hardware that it's made its way into. I mean, it may overwrite the BIOS, and we're we're dealing with a system that may use a BIOS that works in a way that no BIOS has ever worked before. You may not even be, we may not even be looking at hard drives, we may be looking at a single solid state system where its only permanent storage is its BIOS, and by that point, we have no reason to have anything that we can refresh on it. And this thing you could just take a magnet. Way. You just take a magnet, roll it over it, and, and you're done with it. No, that destroys that destroys the computer. And you're correct, but the problem is if it spreads to every single computer system, now you're dealing What's with medical it? systems going... What? Hmm? What do you mean with it? What it spreads? It, this consciousness, this person. Let's say this person decides immortality in one box is not enough, and they are on the network. And for whatever reason, they decide to be malevolent, malevolent in the sense that they want to be inside of everything. Let's just say they're malevolent for the hell of it. Let's go the worst case scenario you sure. would not be able to control the amount of damage they could cause once they're on the network. That's you would what have I'm no way. Saying. That's what I've been saying you, for two hours. You, exactly. I mean, you could kill every single computer with a hammer. Don't be wrong, okay? I can kill the computer, okay? The problem is that same computer is running the hospital system. So I can kill that computer and kill 15 people in the hospital or kill 100 people in the hospital or kill 1,000 people. I can kill that computer in the public workstation, okay, that is controlling all of the traffic lights in the city that is the switchboard operating system for the emergency services, I can kill that computer with a hammer. I don't even need a magnet. I'm going old school. I'm bringing the war hammer. But okay, I so can't I, I kill get that it, thing I get without the premise everything is, connected to it. I get it. The premise for all of that speculation is that while technology, while, while computer systems and while programs will develop in sophistication, the safety and security measures will not. And I don't think that's a true premise. I think that premise is false. I'm saying I'm saying that you're wrong, and I'm saying you're wrong as a <laughs> okay. as an experienced PC tech. I'm going to tell you. You know what the best way to get a virus out of your system is? Format the hard drive. You don't yeah. get viruses out of your system. You only play with them more. Well, guys, you yeah, can, but, but there is you can the debug way... a system. Yeah, but you can't never prevent the virus from ever getting in in the first place. By having right. proper security measures, so and yeah, that same no, thing. no, you cannot. You, I I guarantee you, if you think that you have sufficient security measures to prevent every virus from getting in, I don't I really want to. Anyone, anyone, gentlemen, anybody, gentlemen, gentlemen. guys, 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 guys. Couple things, real quick. Mm -hmm. The articles about the singularity have been coming out in the last several years. They've been fascinating, but these articles have been generated from years prior of, of experimentation, I'm saying experimentation on some, in some way, shape, or form on this, 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 this idea. 
okay? MIT has been fucking around with this thing for a long time, all right? So the movie is coming out. And if you've looked at the previews, everything that you two have been talking about in the last 20 minutes is in the preview, okay? Which is hilarious because the character who transcends is Mal... Is, is, I don't know if he was Malevent when he went in, but he, he in the system, he was able to pull a Neo. He was able to create and, and manipulate the system the way he wants it to be. And, he's, and as, as Anton said, um, he's able to broadcast, because not everybody's wired to a network. He wants to get to the people who aren't wired, so he broadcasts a signal into people or two people, or I don't know what the, what the hell it is, but look at the preview, and then you'll see, you'll understand. So everything you guys are talking about is fascinating because, you know, we're talking about a cloud. We're talking about some, I, I call it the cloud. I don't know what the, what the movie's going to call it, and Carlos, you're right. It might be some solid state thing that, or, you know, as Hannigan puts it, a holocron, or I don't know, whatever. Whatever the, whatever the medium is going to be used to, to house this, this, this thing, it's going to be fascinating because while the movie is going to take creative license and liberty in telling the story, they're going to be using real, real terminology and, and uh, uh, how do I say, uh, I guess ideas as to how this is or going to be facilitated in the future. So you guys are going to learn on some way, on some level exactly where they're at with this and what they're going to be using, and then we're going to revisit this when the movie comes out and, and we've seen it. We don't want to give anybody any spoilers. Maybe we just won't announce the movie and we'll just, you know, do the show. I mean, announce the show, we'll just do the show. I want to revisit this so we can talk about this again because I think we'll have some, we'll have some direction and orientation as to, you know, how and what this is going to look, well, how it might look like based on what the movie shows us because we'll have a lot more information. But the last thing I want to say in closing, because we've got to get going, is it's been a fascinating discussion talking about this, all right? And when you've got conflicting ideas and, conf and, and disagreeing, when you have an argument and a debate and a discussion all wrapped in one with people who, who, who are passionate and understand, have, have, have their levels of understanding, it makes for a wonderful discussion. Anton, I am so happy that you're, you're back and able to join us again. And, and Charles, listening to you talk shop is, is always fun. It really is. I mean, other people might just sort of roll their eyes and be like, Jesus Christ. I get a kick out of it because... Um, right. do, do you have G+. Plus? Say it again? Do you have G+. Plus? I, I can't, can't understand you saying. Do I have what? Do you, do you have a Google Plus account? Do I have a Google Plus? Yes. Ashlanites at gmail.com. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just asking because I, I'm thinking there are some topics I'd love to, to um, yeah, talk absolutely. to you about, and you usually just drop out before the show is over, so we never get to... Um, Add me, and then you can... All, please, I would love ideas on shows. Uh, we'll, yeah, sounds like a plan. But I also want to close with this idea, and I want this to be the last, and we'll just let this go. We've talked about this, this, this cloud and this consciousness for it, and, and we've talked about this, this, this environment in which it may, it may reside and manifest into its own you know, shape and mold into its own. We talked about how it could be tapped into and how it could, um, it could 
you know, leave the cloud and influence and effect and all this other stuff. And I, I find it, we talk about how it's going to be managed by engineers and, 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 and scientists and all these other things and all these, and it's just such a fascinating thing as to how close, how parallel we're talking about the ether and spirits and ghosts and how ghosts are contained in their realm but sometimes traverse and come back and how they can be accessed by, by sorcery, alchemy, uh, incantation, whatever you want to call it. There, you know, this realm can be, can be touched by, uh, shamans and, 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 and uh, you know, spiritualists and all different levels of, of, and it's just fascinating. We're talking about the same principle but two different languages. And I just had to point that out. It's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. But again, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there. We could obviously keep going. What a wonderful topic this has been. We're gonna uh, announce our next topic at the end of the week. Uh, Anton, please add me to the account, and maybe you have something that we could probably get into next week. Have a wonderful week, Charles. Thank you so much for your time, Anton. Great to see you, Sammy J, Mike Hannigan. Thank you guys for calling in. Have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. We'll see you next week. And Charles, I know I owe you a write up. I'll get that to you ASAP. All right, take care. Bye bye.